Okay, I'm going to start something. <laughs> bum, bum, ba da 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 dum, bum, ba da 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 dum, bum, ba da 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 dum. Start spreading the news. Bear with, it's going to make sense. <laughs> I'm leaving today. Dum, ba, ba, thank you. I want to be a part of it. New York, New York, these vagabond shoes are longing to stray. Erica's going to join in in a minute. I to the very heart of it. Ray Solo, New York, New York. Okay, thank you, thank you. It will be relevant any moment now. Okay, so um, a very, very long time ago, in ancient history, before Adam and I had children, we took a road trip in North America. Uh, we landed in Boston. We went to Cape Cod. We saw some relatives. We went to Toronto, to Niagara, and then we drove into New York to see some other relatives. Um, and as we were driving, we drove into New York State, and it said, welcome to New York State. Um, so we were like, great, we're in New York. It didn't look very exciting. We were in New York State. And then as we continued to drive, because our, our relative lived in central New York, we came across a sign that says, you are now in New York, New York. And this light bulb went on, that the song isn't just saying New York, musical repetition New York, but actually you're in New York, and now you're in New York, New York, right? And today, we are in the series, This Is Us, yes? Uh, and we have been for the last four weeks. And today, we are in the, the sermon title, This Is Us. So we are in This Is Us, This Is Us. Okay, here it is. Is it here? I think it is. Okay, I'm sure it will be. Someone's going to click. Oh, there it is. This is us, this is us. Um, because we are in the series, This Is Us, and we've been thinking about what our beliefs are, our core beliefs based on the Apostles' Creed. You'll find these on our website, our statement of belief. We love hearing children, okay? Never worry about your children making a sound. Do we not love it that we have children in our congregation? Yes. yes. Okay, so we've been thinking about our beliefs. They are the bedrock of this church. We've then been thinking about our vision for the one. And of course, we, we said it's, it's similar to other churches' vision. We love God. He is the one we're here for. We love people. We're here for every single person that we can clap eyes on. We're here for the one who isn't here yet. So we live in such a way that we want to be uh, inviting and generous and, and reaching out and including and we're here for the one church, the oneness of the church. So for the one is our vision. And then last week, Adam started to talk about our, our, um, our values. And our values are where we start to be a little more distinctive. Let me point out, not better than other churches, but this is what makes us us. This is us. And I'm uh, going to do a little pop quiz if you were here last week. See if you can remember. Um, I'm not going to put the slide up yet, actually, otherwise that would be cheating. Um, hang on just a second. I am going to put this up because this is a really helpful image um, to help us understand our values. 
There we go. So what we believe, Apostles' Creed, bedrock, our vision is our foundation, our values that we're just about to talk about are, if you like, kind of taking us up to this is what we build our behaviours on, and then our culture is what people see. So our, our, um, our values, the first one is... Generosity. Okay, so we go thumbs up. Generosity. Yes, this is a kind of a generous action. All passive aggressive. We heard last week, but no, it's a generous action. Then the second one, second finger is innovation. So it points us forward. The third one whoop, is growth because it's the tallest one. The fourth one, and let me now show you the most excellent way, which is the way of love. So that's our fourth one. And then the the little pinky stands for. Next gen. So these are our five values, and uh, and it really helps actually if you're trying to remember them. But remembering them isn't what it's about. We can feel really good. Hey, I got them all. Oh, I got three of them. I got one of them. That is not what's it about. What it's about. This is what our church is built on, and it's what people see. So um, I'm having a little bit of difficulty with it. Thank you. So just going. There we go. There we go. So our culture, which is what we're going to be talking about today, is the part that we see. We say, what do I see with my eyes? What do I touch? What do I hear? What's the content of people's conversation for, for, for this church? Um, and so although it is very important, it's it can't come without these other things being in place. And so today, talking about culture, we want to think about, well, what is culture and why is it important? Um, so I looked up a dictionary definition of culture, um, and it is this. Three different uh, meanings of culture. The first is art and literature. So it's things like, you know, the, the music, the opera, the, the film, the photography, the visual art, the dance, the plays, um, the novels that are written. This is our culture, if you like, as a society. And it varies differently across the world. And we have lots of different cultures. And we have lots of cultures represented in our church, which we love. We love that. Um, the second, or actually the third meaning is a biological term. Cells, organs, tissues grown for a specific purpose. If you finish a fast, you might decide to drink the appalling thing that is apple cider with mother. Okay, I don't know if you've ever tried to drink that at the end of a fast. The idea is it grows the healthy bacteria back into your gut after a, a fast, and I think we never wanted to eat again after that. So. And then the second meaning, which is the one that we're going to think about today, is this. It's the way of life of a particular people, and this is us a particular people, especially as shown in their ordinary behavior, their attitudes towards each other. So it's our ordinary behavior that makes us us. It's our way of life together that makes us us and not something else. Um, and so this is what we're going to be thinking about because our culture is so important because when we behave in a particular way, when we decide that we are going to behave in such a way that people see something, that people hear something, that people uh, touch something, taste something, then that is, if you like, that is us. Whereas if we think that there are things that we think, actually, we don't want that in here. For example, we don't want people to come in and feel that they have to put a, a front on. 
That's not us. We are, we are real. We are, we are messy. Uh, we make mistakes. But this is us. And so if someone comes in and they feel like they, they have to sort of put on a front, you'll feel it if you've been in this church for any while. You sort of almost want to kind of go, hey, but who are you really? Because that's not us. And if you want to be in that kind of church, I think there's a few out there, sadly, where you can just go and put on a front and be a Sunday Christian. But that's not who we are. Um, so it's what we allow and what we, and what we don't allow. And of course, that culture becomes the setting that we all live in. Yes, as a church, that is our normal, ordinary behavior. This is our way of life, which means it is the, um, it's the pool, if you like, the context, the setting, where we make disciples, the Great Commission. We make disciples of ourselves, and we invite other people to become disciples. This is our culture. It's the culture from which we go out into the world. It's our normal. So we come here on a Sunday, and we experience this sort of condensed version of our culture because we're all here, and we're all living it out, which means that then when we go into our workplace, as say, a dental nurse, <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that one, but just say you're a dental nurse. I don't think we've got any of those, but, you know, they'll come. Um, let's pray for the dental nurses now. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting distracted now. Um, then when we go out into the workplace, we are living out our culture in those places as well. And then when we get cold, when we think, I am the only person I know who lives out these values of generosity and excellence, doing the best I can with what I have in the workplace when no one is watching. That's our culture. And so we come back to this, the summit of our culture, the source of our culture, the place where we celebrate who we are. And this is why culture is important. The church is us. This is us. And in fact, I had this rather wacky idea, and now I'm looking at the room, I'm losing, I'm losing my nerve, <laughs> which is that let's move all the chairs and sit in a circle so that we're looking at each other and we're saying, this is us. Yes, yeah, see, I've got one person. Okay. <laughs> because if this is us, why are you all sitting looking at one of us, which is me, when actually this is us? So it was quite intentional that we introduced ourselves to one another because actually you are sitting and listening to me. Thank you very much. Um, but it's not about me. It's not about Adam or any of the leaders. The culture is us. It's what we allow, what we kind of move through um, into something better. The church is us. And uh, we're going to go to our scripture reading. Um, which we've got a lovely big chunk from Ephesians today. Um, and interestingly, it's Ephesians 4, um, but Ephesians 3, the end of Ephesians 3, which leads into Ephesians 4, is a, um, I'm just going to take that back a second, um, is a section of scripture that has actually been prayed over us prophetically last week by Israel, if I remember, and the previous week. And if you like, that's just chance, not that Christians believe in chance. Um, but so I'd just like to pray this over us before we go into our proper chunk of scripture, if you like, for the day. So um, Paul has just uh, talked about God's marvelous plan for the Gentiles, his marvelous plan to include everyone, not just the Jews. And then he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And here's the prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That doesn't mean visit, it means dwell. He lives there. 
And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us to him, be glory in this church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And then we go into our um, scripture for today, and here it is. I urge you, Paul says, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And he's talking to the Ephesian church. So he's not saying live lives. He's saying live a life. We have a cultural life together. We, we are creating a life worthy of the calling you've received. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe that those five values are scriptural and godly and they're our mandate. They are the, uh, the calling that we have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I think that's there for a reason. I think we are going to have to be humble and gentle and bear with one another. Otherwise, he wouldn't have written us this reminder. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. That means we're not conflict averse. It means we make peace between us. We have the difficult conversations if we need to. But we're also gracious enough to wait for the right time and not force ourselves on each other. There is one body. Here it is. I wish you were looking at each other. Can you imagine it? Um, One spirit. Just as you were called to one hope. This is our hope. Yes. I'm the only one speaking right now. I hope you'll join in. One hope. Huh? Yes. Yes. When you were called. One Lord. Yes. One faith. One baptism. And we've got one today. Woo. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Yes, this is why we um, include unconditionally because when we look at one another, how could we possibly think one is superior to another when God is over all and through all and in all? If you're the quietest person in the room, if you're the newest Christian, if you're a visitor today, if you are the most experienced uh, theological student, you still only have, only have the God who is over all and through all and in all. Yes, that is all we have. He is all we have. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. We all have a gift to bring. Um, each one of us, a grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. And if you look in um, 1 Corinthians 12, you'll see lots of other gifts. In fact, throughout the New Testament, there's lots of other gifts. The mercy givers, the, uh, the servers, the administrators, the gift of helps. There's so many different gifts. And these are some of them. And why did he give them? Just skipping a couple of verses to keep our flow. To equip his people for works of service. Yeah? So that... So it doesn't stop with service. So that the body of Christ, that's us, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, 
Come to First Wednesday. First Wednesday is all about maturity. That's what it is intended to do. Okay, uh, so it might be um, uh, an effort, a change of your routine to get out uh, and into your cars or to phone up and arrange a lift. But come to First Wednesday because we want to be mature. Why? Because that way we will attain to the whole measure of the fullness of God. Does that sound good? Yes. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. What a hideous thought. Babies in the water, terrible, um, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. We don't want to be that, do we? Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body, that word again, this is what God's plan is for us to become mature, in him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, imagine we're looking at each other again, is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Are you a supporting ligament? Are you a limb? Are you an, an organ that no one sees but does an important job? Grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. There is no one in this church that does not have a part to play. This is a beautiful truth. Okay, so this is our portion of scripture, and you can reread it through the week if you wish. So let's have a look at the first bit again. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. So this word live, to live a life, is it a passive word? No, it's not a passive word, it's an active word. Live a life, we have to actually do something. It's also an imperative verb. So like a bossy verb, if you were doing GCSE, you'll, you'll know that term, a commanding verb, yes? Live a life worthy of the calling. We need to do it. And that means that we need to be told to do it. Because we crawl off the, the altar, don't we? If we're living sacrifice, we crawl off and we need scripture. I love it that scripture is so full of these co commanding bossy verbs because it reminds me what I must do. Because I so quickly forget. I don't know if you ever do that, but I need to be told. Do that. Don't do this. Do that. Or don't do that. Do this. And... Um, it's very encouraging for those of us who mess up regularly, and I'm definitely one of those, to think, yeah, it's there. It's there in scripture. And it means that when I do it, I don't get to say, hey, I'm getting better. I'm getting a bit mature here. No, it, glory goes to him. Because I'm only doing it because he wrote it in scripture for me and for you. Vision leaks. Values fade. We need to be reminded. And uh, I love it that... Uh, Paul, who wrote this letter and is like aspirational figure, you know, did amazing things with his life, wrote a massive section of the New Testament. Uh, you know, you'd think that he would get it right, but no. He says this, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. And no, the evil that I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Yeah? If it, can, if it can happen for Paul, it can happen for me and you, I tell you. Um, but there is an answer. And this is one of my uh, favorite verses. Oh, no, sorry. One of my favorite verses is this. We take captive every thought. Yeah? Take it captive. Every behavior where you go, oh, I messed up there. Take it captive. Hold it in your mind and make it obedient to Christ. So, oh, I just snapped at my daughter there. 
Shouldn't have done that. What should I have done? I should have been completely humble and gentle like it says in Ephesians. I should have borne with her. I should have done better there. I can do better there. Thank you. Get rid of that. I'm going to make myself obedient to Christ. And I love it that we have these behaviors um, that we talk about often. If you are bored of these, please don't worry. We want to drill them so deep into ourselves that we get to live them out. We praise extravagantly and worship intimately. We include unconditionally. This is how we behave. This is our, uh, what did it say in the, um, in the definition? This is our way of life, our ordinary behavior and habits. We grow intentionally, come to first Wednesday. We serve wholeheartedly with our whole selves. We don't go, oh, do you know what? This role requires me to be this particular way. It's not very me, but I'll just put on a show. No, we serve wholeheartedly, understanding that our past has prepared us to serve like no one else would in this place. Everyone, you know, you say, oh, I'm, I'm not irreplaceable. Anyone could serve the coffees. But no one serves coffees like Bev. Yes? Yeah, yes, and Dan. Yes, okay. She wants, see, no one says, yeah, and Dan. Constantly pointing. No, no, it's not me. It's everyone else. Yes? No one does it like Bev. No one, if you like, brings the word like me. And it still astonishes me. I'll tell you, when I did my um, MA... I was first off pregnant, which I hadn't expected to be, for the first half, and the second half I had a newborn. And I used to phone Barb every time I had a study day, and I'd lay hands on my head and say, God, I've got, I've got Barb on the phone, i go, can we just pray for this piece of meat between my hands? Something good has got to come out of here and, and get me a mark, because I don't think it's in here. It's incredible that I get to teach you about Jesus. Incredible privilege. Um, but I learned something when I was, um, I was in a dance company. I, I trained as a dancer. I auditioned for a professional Christian dance company, and I worked with them for 10 years. And I always knew I was not the most technical dancer. Yes, God was doing something with me. I knew that from the feedback. But I sort of knew I didn't deserve to be there. Um, but rather than that drag me down and think, yeah, all the other uh, dancers in this company are better than me, all I could do in that situation was go, do you know what, God chose me. Yes, there's better dancers out there, but God chose me. He wanted me to bring something. What a privilege that I got to do that. I was like, been a Christian for about two seconds, and I got taken to all these conferences because we were dancing at them, got to hear all these speakers, travel the world. It was ridiculous. I did not deserve that. But there I was. And if you think that there's, there's a part of you that shouldn't be doing what you're doing because it's just too good, <laughs> or if there's a part of you that says, um, anyone could do what I'm doing, it's nothing. No one can do it like you. No one. So I really encourage you, take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Um, we have these values. They have been set by our eldership. Uh, just if you don't know, we have six elders um, across the two Sunny Hill campuses, Paul and Ferndown. Uh, Adam and I are two of them. Dom and Lou Bird are our senior pastors, and they head up um, Paul campus. And then we have Colin and Joe Mengel, who are also elders. We also have leaders for Sunny Hill Ferndown, which includes Kev and Nikki, um, and also Fabiano, who's down in the kids' church, and his wife, Alini. So we also have leaders here. And if you've got any issues, with our values, with our beliefs, our vision, our values, do come and speak to us. We would love to hear, we'd love to talk about them, we are passionate about them, we'll talk to you as long as you like. But if you are content that these are scriptural and they are God's calling on this church, then I just encourage you, live them out. Because who brings culture? We bring culture, you bring culture. I can, you can, I do, you do. 
And this is the truth. <laughs> but, <laughs> there's always a but, isn't there? As Adam calls it, a big but. The big buts of scripture. Um, sometimes something hinders that. Something frustrates that. Um, something suppresses our urge to bring it. Uh, it sort of, it restricts our ability to, it inhibits us. Um, it cramps our style. It puts the brake on us. It, it, it obstructs. This, uh, this desire to bring the culture. And uh, I'm going to look at four obstacles to us being, this is us, bringing culture. Is that okay? Yes, yes four different obstacles. Um, and I've got some props, because uh, Katie loves a prop. <laughs> so this is for Katie. So here is our first one. I'm going to see if it's the right way up. Okay. Lies. Okay. Lies, it is, okay. It is a big one, and it's on top of my head, which means, what? It's gonna squash me, it's gonna weigh me down, yes? The lies I tell myself about myself. I don't deserve to be here. Nobody, if they really knew me, they wouldn't like me, yes? Well, I tell you what, if you hang around here long enough, you will know that you are included unconditionally, because you'll mess up. Yes, we've all, if you've been around here a while, you've messed up and you've realised, actually, this is, this is our normal way of life. Yes, and the enemy's lies as well. You know, people lie to us, we lie to us, the enemy lies to us. In fact, he says this, be alert. Who needs to be alert? Us. And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Who here today, he says, is feeling a bit insecure? Let's whisper a little lie into them so that they don't bring it, so that they stay at home even. Even better, they stay at home. They go, oh, I'm not in the mood, so I'm not going to come. Well, I tell you what, we're a church where you come if you're not in the mood. And either we love you and we accept you for where you're at this morning, which is a pretty horrible place, or we kind of go, do you know what? Let's praise God. And suddenly you're feeling lighter. Yeah? Uh, what else does it say? So resist him. This is the answer. No, I'm going to church. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. Every church in Ferndown and further afield has got their set of values that they are trying to bring this morning. Every church is like that. These are ours. And this is what we bring. So what do we say to lies? Yes or no? What do we think? No. Okay. Who's going to come and stamp through my box then? Lovely. Come on, Israel. Okay. I would like you, if you can, the jeans are a bit tight, stamp through the lies. Okay. And let's see what's inside. Okay. Yeah. Stamp through. Right to. That's it. You ca uh, yeah. I'll, I'll spot. Whoa. Okay. Thank you. Now, <laughs> could you just dig in there and see what there is in there instead of the lies? That's it, reach in. There's a piece of paper. Don't find it. It's there. It's there. Look, there. That's it. What have you got? Resistance. Yes, resist the devil and he will flee. I'm wondering if you could um, stick that to the side of our box as an alternative. Yeah? If you could stick it to the front there, that would be lovely. Okay. So we've got to resist it. Um, it says, again, in Ephesians 4, you were taught, oh sorry, no, previous one. Yes, it says resist the devil and he will flee. It says resist him standing firm in the faith. And this is what we need to do. We need to resist those lies because if we don't, we're not going to bring the culture, are we? 
No. So, resistance. Are you ready for the second one? Yes? Here we go. Number two says... Oh, is it still on? Consumer mentality. Yes? Do you like it here? Is your chair comfortable? Is it better than the church down the road? Yes? Did you get greeted as you'd like to get greeted? Is it on at a convenient time? Yeah? <laughs> Do they dress like you'd like to dress? You know? <laughs> because, you know... It'd be lucky if it was. Again, hang around long enough and we'll do something that doesn't, you know, doesn't please us. And it is, it is, to be fair, it is how we are, uh, our society values. We value choice. You know, I want to have a choice of which doctor I, I see about a you know, particular condition. I want to choose this. I want to choose that. I want to choose which color jumper and which size. You know, choice is a thing and it's, it's a wonderful and creative thing. But when we apply that consumer mentality to church, instead of zeal for your house consumes me, is I'm consumed by my own desires and wants. If we do that, then we are not going to bring culture because we're going to decide, does it suit me? Do I want it? Is that, is that for me? Do I prefer it? I have to say, uh, when we were in our past church, we were in a church for 20 years before we come, came and started this church, um, there was a point in its history where I was praying, God, move us out of this church I am not loving church. I'm actually hating church. I'm finding church difficult. I don't want to be here. And, um, and God said, well, if I want you to move, I'll tell you. And in fact, actually, the church then did move on to an incredibly fruitful stage. And I was so, so glad I stayed like I had the choice. You know, we, we give our lives to Jesus. We do what he says. If this is your church, then stop worrying, I would say, about whether it suits you. And just bring the culture. Let us become the church. Right. Who would like to come and stamp on consumer culture? Thank you, Erica. Great. No, no. I hold your hand. Okay. One foot through. Whoa, great. And what's in there? Oops. And it says contributor culture, yes? So that's the alternative. Thank you if you don't mind sticking it on the front there. Yes, we want to be contributors. So instead of, um, instead of bringing the culture that is, if you like, of the world, the culture of choice, we come to the church with a completely different mindset. That What am I bringing? You were taught with regard to your former way, Paul writes in Ephesians, to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind. Again, that's take that thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. And to put on the new self, put on the bigger jacket, become the person that we want to become. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Yeah? Okay, here comes the third one. Uh, I've done it small because I was lacking confidence. Okay? Here it is. Ooh. Do we all feel judged now? <laughs> Let's not feel judged, okay? It's just a painful step that we must take. Okay, disobedience. Yeah? Um, when we're talking about bringing culture, we can feel so tired. 
what you want me to bring it. Can't I just come and bathe in the warm pool of worship? Thank you, Katie. Can I not just do that? But, but God is saying, no, live the life worthy of the, of the calling that you have. Yes, I'm tired. I'm too busy to come to First Wednesday. I, do you know how much I've got on? Actually, I'm completely overwhelmed. And let's be real. I mean, I know I'm sort of slightly ham-acting it here, but we do get overwhelmed and busy and tired, don't we? We do get to the point, I can't do any more. Please don't tell me I'm being disobedient. That's the last thing I need is another whole heap of guilt over my head, and it is. But do you know why we get so tired? Maybe we don't Sabbath. Maybe you don't know what that term means, but, but God made us to have rest in our rhythms, to have a day a week, roughly. Now, Jesus said, I didn't make the Sabbath for man. No, which way does it go? I didn't make man for the Sabbath, but Sabbath for man. Yes, so it's here to help us, not to make us feel guilty. And maybe for you, it's, you know, take a day off a week. As a church, we try to avoid having anything on Saturdays. We have a Saturday event maybe, I don't know, five times a year. We have summer camp. Uh, we're going to have an away day. It's Holy Spirit Day for Alpha. There'll be a Freedom in Christ Day away this year. Maybe there'll be a men's breakfast or two, but we try and put that at the beginning of the day so you still have. We try to create that space in our church rhythm so that everyone does get a day. But are we going, do you know what, I'm going to take every night off and watch the TV and then Saturday I've got to do all my jobs and suddenly I haven't got a, I haven't got a Sabbath. Or do we, do we say, actually, I have got stuff I want to do on a Saturday. I'm going to take my three nights of the week and I'm going to go, this is my Sabbath. Sabbath is where we rest our bodies and we bring our spirit into God's presence and receive his good gifts. Yes, it's an attitude of mind. It doesn't have to be a particular day. Um, it can be a particular day. You know, what works for you? But if we don't obey the rule of Sabbath, we are going to be so tired and so, so overwhelmed and so busy that we'll end up actually being disobedient, not taking a Sabbath. And also, we're not going to bring, um, we're not going to bring the culture of generosity and serving wholeheartedly because we're just too tired. Who would like to come and destroy disobedience? <laughs> I heard your name. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Is it? You know that about yourself. Now you know now. It's a bit like Christmas cracker. What's going to be inside? What's going to be inside? Sabbath and work. If we're well rested, then the day comes when we, we need to give it out. And we do because we've got the energy. And sometimes we don't, we're sick and whatever, but if we typically Sabbath, then we'll have the energy that we need to do the work that he's asked us to do. In fact, it says, doesn't it, in Ephesians, as, um, that we read, from him the whole body joined and held together with every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It will be work, it will be effort. Okay, finally, last one is, is it the right way up? Yes, here we go. Walls. Walls. That doesn't sound very scriptural, does it? Walls. <laughs> Something that stops us from bringing the culture is when we're hurt. Yeah? I, I, can't, I can't bring myself. I've been too hurt. I've been too let down. Yeah? I've had my trust broken. I don't know if anyone watched um, Traitors. 
Did anyone watch the, watch the series Traitors? Um, and the idea is that some people are traitors and some aren't, and they, they kind of trick each other and, and whatnot. And it got to the end, and there was this lovely girl, Molly, and Harry. There were two of them. And Molly so trusted Harry. You saw it in her face. And it got to the very end, and she said, I'm a faithful, and she's waiting to share the prize pot with her faithful friend. And he says, I've always been a traitor. And her, you saw her soul fall to bits on screen. It was a, it was a really remarkable bit of television. And, and those of us who were watching just thought, Molly, you're never going to be the same again because you trusted so much that you just can't, you can't get over that without God, can you? And so what, it, what are you to do if you've been so let down by someone that you've, well, you put your wall up, don't you? You go, I'm not going to be taken for a ride like that again. I've been so hurt by, by a partner, by a parent, by a church. I'm going to put up the walls and I'm just going to, I'm, I'm all right, you're all right, but I'm not going to bring the culture, am I? Not going to live out those behaviours if I'm feeling that way. And there's, there's a couple of things that we can do with these walls and they do need to come in a particular order. Forgiveness is the first thing. That's our part. That means whatever's happened to you in the past, you choose to forgive it. What was done to you is wrong, no doubt. But you make God your judge. You make God the judge of the person that has wronged you. And when you've chosen to forgive and, and the feelings of unforgiveness come back and each time they do, you take that thought captive, you say, no, I have chosen to forgive. Then we have the opportunity to receive God's healing. Because we can't heal ourselves. Jesus heals us. Who would like to come and jump on walls? Lovely. Great. <laughs> you have to get your leg up quite high. It's a high box. Okay, wow. there we go. And what's in there? Forgiveness and healing. Forgiveness and healing. Are you happy to take that on? Yeah? So when we're hurt, here's what uh, Peter tells us will work. Humble yourself. You know what that means? It means that you're not responsible for putting up walls so that no one hurts yourself. It means you're trusting God to do that for you. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Yes, he's good. He's strong enough to do this. I know there are people in this room who, who have been so hurt that your walls are up. Maybe they were sky high to start with and they've started to come down. But you know what? God can break through that rope break through that wall in one encounter if we let him. That he may lift you up in due time. More in 2024. 2024 is your due time to receive healing from God because he doesn't want you to be there behind your walls. He wants you to be part of us. The this is us, part of this culture part of this source from which our whole lives go out.
cast all your anxieties onto him because he cares for you. And um, maybe you haven't been Sabbathing and so you're exhausted. And maybe this morning you want to go, do you know what? I'm going to recommit to putting those rhythms into my life. I'm going to pop that one there. And there'll be an opportunity to worship and to be prayed for this morning, to pray for God's healing. Maybe you know that you've come here with a little bit of a tick box of, oh, I like this, I don't like that. And you're thinking, do you know what? I just need to repent. I need to start to become a contributor. Can I tell you what's much more fun <laughs> than just coming and deciding what you like and don't like, you know, sucking a lemon every time something doesn't go <laughs> the way you want. Yeah? Maybe you want to kind of commit to becoming more of a contributor. I'll put this one over here. Maybe you need to come into God's presence and ask for his healing and say, God, I need this to me. be my due time. I need you to lift me up. I need to cast my anxieties onto you. I'm going to put that one there. And then... Maybe you've been lied to by yourself, by someone else, by the enemy. And you need to say, I want to stand and resist him this morning and become the contributor that, uh, that he wants me to be. So um, we will be going into a song because we love to worship and we love to end our time together worshipping. But I would really encourage you, don't sit in your seat because of the niceties of it. Let down that wall. And if you would like prayer, there are people here who would love to pray for you and, and ask God to come and bring healing and change and transformation so that as, um, as Kev said at the beginning, we won't leave the same way we arrived. Because I tell you what, I'm fed up of me. I want to change. I want to be better. I want to be what he's made me to be. I want to live a life worthy of the calling that he's given to me and to us. So I'd really encourage you as we sing, um, come forward and we've got some leaders at the front who will come and pray with you uh, and the rest of us we will sing. But there's good news. You choose. You get a choice as to bringing, not bringing. You are irreplaceable. We're all culture bringers. You're significant and you have a purpose in this church. Okay, let's sing. And come, <laughs> come and sing and come.